Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this episode, I'm joined once again by my sister, uh, Kay Kellum. We're going to be talking about a TNT TV show. This time, it's Legends. This was a series that was promoted at Comic-Con. All the Sean Bean posters and stuff like that. Yes. I was uh, curious hash- about it. Hashtag don't kill or do not kill Sean Bean. Yeah, don't kill Sean Bean or something like that. It was kind of ambiguously promoted. I wasn't quite sure what it was about. Yeah, they showed the pilot at Comic-Con. I went and watched it. It was very dark in the pilot, a dark tone, not dark coloring. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I don't think the pilot pitches the show particularly well in terms of compared to later episodes. I would agree with that because I went in, again, the dark tone, uh, I think, is an accurate description. This is going to be spoiler-filled episode, by the way. We've seen yeah. the season... I think it's it's fair to do that. Well, and I have read the book that's based on by, I'm a butcher's last name, I'm afraid, Robert, L-I-T-T-E-L-L, but I would pronounce it Little. Little? Little or Little. Um, it's an excellent book. I would recommend it to anyone who enjoys reading books that are connected to TV shows, whether or not you want to watch the show, actually. It's 385 pages, give or take. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, the author has a background in journalism uh, related to Russia. Okay. And so there is a strong Russian connection in the book. And the Martin Odom in the book is a CIA agent. Martin Odom in the television show is an FBI agent. And to me, that was just right off the bat a difference. Well, I think CIA so he could operate internationally, FBI so he could operate domestically. Yeah, and I thought that was really an interesting change. And the author is a consultant on the TV show. I have noticed that. And the basic premise here is he's an undercover operative for the FBI who's just naturally gifted at being an undercover operative. Deep cover. Deep cover. He was on an assignment for six months without checking in. Kind of annoyed his handler. Yeah, I can't imagine why. Um, she is played by uh, Allie Larder. Oh, uh, you know, she, I enjoyed her on Heroes, but she is really good here. And I think again, she's got a better role here. She does. But again, in the pilot, she was entertaining. But as the season progresses, she gets really good in that character. There's a certain amount of, I think, an actress or actor getting comfortable with the role. Yes. Some are more natural fits. The guy from The Practice. Yes. I'm blanking on his name, who plays uh, kind of the, the director of the, the, the Department of Undercover Affairs or whatever they call it, of, of Covert Affairs, DC. Uh, deep Cover Operations. Deep Cover Operations. I always refer to it by the acronym, not the... Yeah, the DCO at the FBI. Oh, I see. Yeah, exactly. He does a great job, and it's a natural fit for him. You know, um, they've got a, a good cast, but what's interesting about Martin Odom is... Steve Harris. Steve Harris, that's it. That's right. 
IMDb is my savior. Good, because I'm bad with, with actor and actresses' names. And I'm just going to do a rundown of the cast so while I that. have it open real fast. Uh, we Sean Bean is Martin Odom. He is phenomenal. Uh, Allie Larder is Crystal McGuire. Again, she's the one from, from Heroes who plays Martin's handler. Yeah, uh, Tina Majorino, who, I mean... She was in Veronica Mars. She plays the tech person new to the team here. Yeah, and her character is frankly not all that different from her role in Veronica Mars, just different name, a little older, and working for the FBI. Yeah, which, I mean, if you've watched Veronica Mars, you could kind of see her ending up with the FBI, quite frankly. So She does a great job there, and there was one or two places where it was just hilarious, because she's got this shortcut hairstyle. And sometimes her hair just does this weird poofy thing up at the top. It does. And at one point, there's this weird chemical in something that they've analyzed. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's hairspray. <laughs> and people are kind of looking at her, and she kind of points to the hair. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, and uh, she was, I mean, obviously, she was a child actress. But she was in the movie uh, Corinna, Corinna back in 1994. I mean, she's... Didn't watch it, okay. She's been acting forever since she was tiny. And... She has just the most adorable smile when she gets amused. There was one scene in Legends where she's sitting opposite Sean Bean in a restaurant, and he just starts slipping into one of his legends. The way he, he shifts into his legend is almost like a a shape-shifting scene with no visual difference, if yes. you know what I mean. Yeah, he goes from talking one way and just suddenly he's a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's beautifully done. Um, Amber Valletta is Sonia Odom, which... who plays his wife, who we later learn is his other handler. Yeah, it's a very interesting character, actually. And it, well, characters because he plays Martin Odom, who he thinks he is. He plays at least five or six different legends over the course, a few times needing to shift between characters as he answers the phone or what have you, or as he's going around the table. And it's almost like, is there a real person here? Particularly once he learns he's not Martin Odom. Well, and that's what they threw out plot-wise. They the asked pilot. that question early on. But I really... I didn't like how they put it in the pilot. I thought there might have been a better way to pitch that in the pilot. And I'm not sure what it was. But just the way they threw it out there, I didn't care for. Well, it was thrown out at the end with, here's what you've been doing, watching so far, and oh, here's the twist. Yeah. And it's done, in, and, and all the answers are in this book. Yeah. And the book had, like, a telephone number or something, and that's all it had. And it's like, eh. I was expecting him to have to read the book and that was his life story or that was the story of Martin Odom or I don't know. Yeah. So there were a couple of things there that fell a little flat, but it was an interesting enough show at a surface level, just on a procedural undercover kind of an operative thing that played well. The pilot was good enough at Comic-Con that I came home both wanting to read the book and wanting to see it. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the pilot was bad, but I came out of the pilot thinking... I hope they change aspects of the tone. And I feel they did. I think they did, but I think this has also got what a lot of shows have these days of, here's the story we're telling on a week-to-week -week basis, so we can tell this other story 
mm-hmm. as a big picture. Yeah. And sometimes the other story is the really interesting thing, and you say, oh, I got to kill time to get to that. Sometimes it just gets in the way of the really interesting day-to-day stuff. Yeah. And here I felt it was a little more of, of that. If it had just been a straight-up procedural, he's just a really gifted undercover operator, and he really is Martin Odom, I'd have been happy with that. When in the book, he has this team back at the CIA, and every time he needs a legend, he goes into this conference room, and he kind of sits on the edge while they come up with the legend. And he's sitting over there as they're saying, well... I think you should be disgruntled with the American government. That's interesting because in the show, he's essentially telling them, mm-hmm. quote unquote, his life story. Yeah. And they're like taking notes. Oh, well, I better give him this backstory. I better put this here. Yeah. I better do that. Which I thought played a lot better yeah. than kind of a collaborative yeah. by committee. Well, and see, in the book... He would be on the side saying, just don't do this and don't do that. But what about this? And one of the uh, legends, it was the uh, the first one in the TV show. So you've watched the show more recently because I watched it as it aired week by week and then persuaded you to marathon it. I'm blanking um, on the character for the first one. And they uh, they changed some of the names from the, the one book. from the uh, the Freedom Fighter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but on the TV show, his background was uh, that he was a unemployed uh, like steel worker, yeah. or mill worker. Yeah. Uh, blue collar. Yeah. Okay. In the book, he was a junior college professor who had written this great book about some battle that he was very familiar with and knew all about because he'd grown up near the battlefield, all this stuff, except somebody else revealed that he'd plagiarized a large section of it. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, in the conference room, the big joke is, of course, a lot of it will be plagiarized. We don't have time to really write a book for yeah. you. You, know, But I thought it was interesting that they used the same name for the legend but changed dramatically the background of it from a junior college professor to a steel worker, but had him equally upset with the government because he was unemployed. Well, anytime something is adapted from one thing to another, in this case, book to TV, they're going to keep some of the stuff and change what they need to to make their story work. Mm-hmm. And I could see college professor whatever. It didn't matter in the, the story. Yeah. But, but they, I would like—I would have liked to have seen the "we're going to have to plagiarize the book." I'm counting on it, kind of a, yeah. a back and forth. And I think changing again from the committee coming up with the legend to him telling them the legend—it um, makes more sense because he's got to sell it. Well, it just intrigued me that he went from being a very articulate or supposedly articulate junior college professor who spoke in front of a crowd of ah, students to a stuttering steelworker or whatever factory type he was. For the same legend. Yeah. Well, and then he goes to the, uh, what was it, the arms dealer Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, He bounces between a a couple. His look changes. And they did very well with that. Yeah, the hair and makeup people, the wardrobe people Mm -hmm. sold the legends. They Mm -hmm. did that beautifully. And Mm -hmm. his mannerisms change. There are a few things that that shine through here Mm -hmm. and there. 
but enough so that, again, just like an actor can go from one role to another, mm-hmm. they're just doing that as their role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going from this one to another. Yeah. Um, I'd kind of like to see a TV show do that. And I think I mentioned it. Oh, uh, we were watching something. But do it on almost a real-time basis. Somebody who's got to do multiple undercover or identities, but shifting back and forth as he's walking by somebody, he swaps coats with his partner, you know, whatever. Now he's this guy, you know, because this actor showed how he could do the character shift. Mm-hmm. And if you had some support personnel around, he could basically be in, in like a Grand Central Station kind of a thing, having four undercover meetings in short order. Yeah. Which would sell the, they can't be the same person. I was meeting with him at this time. Yeah. You know? Um, it reminds me of the pilot for Remington Steel, where the character we come to know as Remington Steel is simultaneously impersonating two different people because there are other people that say, yeah, he's right over there. And they're pointing to two people talking, each one thinking they're referring to the other one than the other person. Yeah. It was just beautifully well done. Hard to pull off. But this one had a... We've got to keep him undercover because we've got a tight time frame. There's this kind of a threat going on. And there's a certain who knows what, who can you trust. And this team, which starts off with um, Steve Harris's character uh, as, as the head guy, uh, Ali Larder, the, the handler, uh, uh, Tina's character is the, the tech, and like one or two other people. Two other? Two guys. Two guys. And I refer to them as the two guys because one of them dies, I think, in the pilot episode, and another one shortly thereafter. The uh, the dance game junkie, and uh, the guy who goes undercover. Yeah, that's the best I can refer to them. Essentially, as. another tech person and another undercover mm-hmm. operative. And I mean, there's quite a bit of turnover in this team. Yeah. You know, another agent from from another floor and the FBI gets pulled in. Morris Chestnut. And saying he gets pulled in isn't quite my perspective. Fair enough. He damn near infiltrates the team. Yeah. Martin, at the end of the pilot, is at a crime scene where somebody dies in a subway station on camera. This guy's investigating the transit death and gets on Martin's case. And it's, do we trust him? Do we not? He kind of gets to piggyback on one or two of the things and gets almost pulled in in that respect. Mm-hmm. Carried along with the current might be the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, it's, again, the two layers of the show, what it does at the surface layer, what it does for the big picture of who is Martin Odom, what is going on, who knows what. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Martin Odom was, he's been told, in a car accident 10 years ago, and he woke up after, I guess, being in a coma, And he just doesn't remember the car accident, what happened, how he ended up in that coma. And he relies on uh, his wife and his FBI boss to really understand what happened at that point Mm -hmm. and putting his life back together. And suddenly he's being told, no, that wasn't a car accident. And you aren't Martin Odom, or at least you weren't before. You were over in the Middle East at this time. You were in a, Mm a friendly fire situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he remembers parts of it, so he knows that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they play some of this out believably, and it be, was clear to me early on. The wife isn't the wife. She is a handler. This guy knows, you know, his boss knows stuff about this. Well, early on, it's either she's a handler or she's being blackmailed is how they try to play it. Yeah. You know. Because, I mean, she's grown to care for him over the last yes. decade. Yeah. It's, it's one of those that I get what they were doing. I get that that's what the show was about. Mm-hmm. For me, 
if they had just done a straight up, here's the team, here's the undercover stuff. Oh, it was great from that perspective. I loved just the undercover stuff and just the straight up aspect of it. The, the, who is Martin Odom really? For, it kind of fell flat for me how they did it. Well, and over the course of the season, that progresses quite a bit. We get a, a couple of undercover missions, but where things leave off, mm-hmm. uh, and again, we're, we're, we're talking spoilers here. Yeah, definitely. His entire world has unraveled. Well, and where things leave off actually, to me, felt more like the beginning of the novel, mm-hmm. which I've read, and I only talked you into reading what I guess is the prologue. Yeah, I've only book. read literally a few pages of it. Yeah, um, but in the book, he's a private investigator who has left the CIA, and uh, the person who was his boss at the CIA kind of teases him that, you know, you know you're not Martin Odom, that that was just a legend we made up for you, and he was never meant to be a private investigator. You just took the parts you liked, kept them, Mm -hmm. added a little here and there, and hung out a shingle. He's like, well, yeah, what does anybody do when they retire from the CIA? Whereas this leaves off with his team basically being disgraced, dismantled, He's walking off into the distance in an alley at, at night, you know, with his boss at the FBI realizing his boss is now the undercover agent in the FBI. Of yeah. Who sold us out and why? What's going on? And they've got some ideas. Mm-hmm. But they got them too little too late. Yeah. That I could easily see the next season starting off with him almost as a PI guy, still staying under, under the radar, if you will. Mm-hmm. But between, I mean, he was... In Texas for a little bit, he was in different places. You know, he mm-hmm. he's a natural ruffler of feathers. Well, and in the book, he doesn't really trust any of the government people he ever talks to. You blame him? Exactly. Uh, in the book, when somebody tells him that case that you were approached about this morning by Joe Blow, private citizen, don't take it. That's enough to get him to take it. Yeah, I could see where it would be. You know, so like I said, there's, I really think they took the core of the character of Martin Odom and put him on the screen. Yeah, and I think they had to rework, or chose to rework, I don't think they necessarily had to, but chose to rework certain aspects. CIA, FBI. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was nice was when he comes out of an undercover thing, out of out of legend, and they always refer to it as, as being yeah. in legend, out of legend versus undercover, again, to sell the title of the show. Yeah. But he, he has to, to go to a, a shrink, you know, to, you know, how are you doing? Are you adjusting to getting out? Well, all that kind of a thing. And that's played by um, Linda Park, who is uh, Hoshi Sato on Enterprise. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple of familiar faces. I mean, most of the faces actually are familiar on this show for me, except for Sean Bean. I hadn't really seen him in anything else, I don't think. Uh, he was in, I believe, Troy I way back when. Um I saw him on an event TV show a season or two ago with Ashley Judd. I've seen him in quite a few things, actually. Okay. I just had Yeah. Him. And he does a brilliant job. He really does. He's able to, to show his range. And again, the shift between it, he's got a certain amount of charisma. He's believable as the stuttering guy or as the articulate journalist mm-hmm. or as the, 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 the dangerous arms dealer. Mm-hmm. And... Those play out well. There are a couple of times where some of the other characters have to go undercover just to support him or, or 
whatever, that works out well. It just seemed a little heavy-handed, again, with the, the, the big picture mm-hmm. bad guy. And again, they played fair, so I didn't see all of it coming or whatever, but it, it seemed to get in the way of the show I kind of wanted to be watching. Yeah. If this yeah. had just been, this guy's undercover nonstop, and he shifts from legend to legend, yeah. the drop of a hat or whatever. And you got to wonder, is he losing it a little in there? That could have been a lot of fun. Well, and, you know, there were those moments where early on he would ask his wife, who we later found out was not his wife, but his handler, you know. Well, she was his wife. Well, that's, well, that's true, but. At first it was her role as handler, but I think for all intents and purposes, they grew to become married in reality. Yeah, but. Until they broke up. But what I was thinking about was when he said, you know, I don't remember how I proposed to you. Well, that's because the moment they met, she was saying, we're married. Yeah, yeah. So there was no proposal to remember. Yeah, it kind of puts him in a bad situation. You know. Well, and she's got to be making up the story and staying consistent to what she said. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to how good of an undercover operative is she Mm -hmm. to fool him for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the book has a lot of political maneuvering, I guess mm-hmm. is the word I want to use. A lot of going back to, you know, all the old stories of the U.S. government invested money here and bought weapons to give to these people to overthrow that government to do this, to do that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. going on. I didn't really feel we got any of that in the TV show. No, it was a very different approach in the TV show. And I don't know if that's a time frame issue in terms of when it was done. Possibly, but I think it was more... The book is from 2005. I think it's more a matter of that's not the story they wanted to tell. Yeah. I think they wanted to do a domestic-based undercover thing, which kind of precludes the... The the, The foreign governments, The nation-building and unbuilding aspect of it. Yeah, well, and they definitely seem to want the the Martin Odom personal world falling apart, if you will, to be tied to a friendly fire incident. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that was definitely consistent between the two is that Martin Odom's personal world would not have collapsed were it not for the fact that he made a moral stand. He purposely just stood up at one point and said, no, this goes against my personal moral code, cannot be tolerated. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the TV show, he called for an airstrike and said, no, yeah, this has to be blown out of the water right this second. It cannot happen. And in the case of the TV show, somebody wanted him killed for making that decision. Let's see. He decides to rain down military vengeance on your location you're upset and seek revenge that seems so uncalled for no i mean it makes sense and when we finally get to those flashbacks as we finally see all that play out it really kind of says a lot about what his character was then Mm -hmm. and what motivated a lot of this and i say what his character was then in so much as again he had complete amnesia he was a blank slate and the fbi essentially crafted him into who they needed him to be Mm mm-hmm but 
it's an interesting because I'm trying to think of all the episodes we saw and I mean Martin Odom certainly dances up against the line if you will but when it comes right down to it if you point the gun at the person he thinks he's supposed to save or at the person he thinks is innocent he's not gonna let you get away with it he protects those that need protecting he will strike at those that are deserving of it there have been there were one or two times where he he hurt somebody killed somebody but it they were a bad person mm -hmm. it, it, there's a greater good aspect but there's also a, yeah, this line he will not cross. Mm -hmm. But you can't have that kind of a character without that kind of moral code. Yeah. I think the moral code survives the amnesia. Oh, totally. I think so. But I think it takes a different light. Again, there are people who, to maintain his cover, he will do things he wouldn't normally do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's he wouldn't kill an innocent. But if there's somebody, it's like, yeah, he deserves it. He's got it coming. He's not going to blow his cover. Yeah. And in the book, there are people who say basically a, you know, if these were normal circumstances, I would do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. However, I've seen you before. Let me tell you about those circumstances. They were the first eight pages of the book. Yeah. Because of that, I'm not going to do what I should do under normal circumstances. Well, Martin Odom is the kind of character that you just don't want to cross. Yeah. You know, he's not the most forgiving of souls. And again, a natural ruffler of feathers. True. But he has this inner strength where if he's your protector, your defender, your hero, kind of like uh, Tia Majorino's character, mm -hmm. you know you can rely on him. You know he'll go to the ends of the earth for you. Well, it's one of those where... Again, I felt the big picture got in the way of those kinds of things. I would have liked to have seen him get firmly established as who he is throughout the different roles. We could see how the roles, the, the legends are different, but he is the same. Mm -hmm. It just manifests differently. Mm -hmm. Because I think we get a lot of that, but I think a lot of that is impression, not what's actually on the screen a lot of times. He's not put into that many positions where he has to make those tough calls, where he has to go, you know, do I save this person? Do I not? Who does he care about? Who does he trust? Yeah. And I think they've got a good show here. I think they could have had a great show here. Well, in the book, there's, again, there are two things going on, just like in the show. And one is a present day case that he's researching. And the other is not quite flashbacks of him remembering when he did things mm -hmm. in various legends. And like at one point, he goes to talk to someone in Israel, a friend who he needs information from. And that friend is telling him that basically nothing's been the same since my son died. You know, and my son was in the Israeli army, and who would expect a dead dog on the side of the road to explode? And he remembers being in legend as the arms dealer and teaching some Al-Qaeda guys how to make bombs that you can hide in a dead dog. Mm. They'll get past a metal detector. How he basically taught somebody to do exactly what killed the guy's son. Yeah. And he's showing them a sample. And because he doesn't want to make a real bomb, he uses honey mm -hmm. 
and he puts it in and they back off and when the israeli guard gets close to where they've left the dead dog and somebody hits the detonator the dog explodes and he says who knew honey exploded mm -hmm. now the implication is that may have been the friend's son uh. it's not stated it's well, not a direct, but it's all these mysterious things in the book that plague him of him trying to piece together. What have I blocked out from what I did in Legend? What did he make up? What is he covering up? What is he not admitting to? Yeah. And how does he compartmentalize? There yeah. were aspects of that certainly in the TV show in very different ways than that. Yeah. But it's very much he... And in that case, it was an accident. Mm -hmm. He purposely used honey, which he didn't know would explode, instead of an explosive, which made a good example. Well, in the show, he knows he can't trust his memory in some places. It's clearly wrong. Yeah. Yet he's also instinctively trusting it all the time when he's in legend. Yes. Because he's, he's keeping the lies close to the truth. He's got to remember the lies he's told. You know, does this legend have siblings kids whatever how does it all go and that's part of why the shtick the technique of of him giving the life story yes. to the crew as they're building up the the, the justification the, the 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 audit trail the paper trail of it digital mm -hmm. trail uh worked so well and i would have liked to have seen more of that yeah i mean imagine if we had gotten say a full network tv season 20 episodes a few seasons two three in and we've seen 50, 60 different legends, maybe more if he uses some intermittently here and there. And then it goes to where it's like, now the events of this season happen. Yeah. He's got to go off the grid. He's got to bounce between legends. We've built all this up. Yeah. And he could literally become a ghost. Well, and quite frankly, if this season had come after multiple seasons, there are aspects of this plot that would make perfect sense. Yeah. But I can also see wanting to start with it here, mm -hmm. get, just assume all that had happened, mm -hmm. take it on faith for the audience or whatever, mm -hmm. and move to the story that they want to tell. Mm -hmm. But I think there's, again, what's the story they want to tell? What are they going to tell next season? Because I'm unclear. Well, but I think... If they get enough next season. I'm not sure we know yet. See, I'm not positive if they have a next season. But the other thing is, I think in terms of the... Um, the parts of the plot relying on an imaginary few previous seasons. Some of it doesn't have to be tied to the big picture thing. True. I guess my point is I would have liked to have seen them really sell. He can do all of these legends. He can oh, flow in and out. Definitely. He's getting a little muddled, not in legend, but out of legend. True. But I was thinking in terms of they accidentally, unknowingly sent him in two different legends to one person mm. that i loved quite frankly mm -hmm. they accidentally blew him just because they didn't understand the full charting if you will and power of one of the organized crime family units, yeah if you don't you know who knows who kind of a deal yeah and i mean towards the end when we come full circle back to the uh, militiamen mm -hmm. from the beginning that was kind of nice. I was like, yeah, really? I like this. Well, again, they, they seemed to know the story they were telling. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was, again, not necessarily the one I, I 
kind of wished they were telling. And that's mm-hmm. on me, not on them. Yeah. You know, but they they told the story they did with a, a strong cast, mm. good writing, uh, again, good source material. Having the, the writer of the book as a consultant helped a lot. They seemed to understand where they needed to make some tweaks. Um, I think they've got a big picture plan. Um, again, I'm curious where they're going to go from where they leave off. With his life having unraveled, he's in, he really can't go back to the FBI, you know. He Well, and his family is in protective custody, Yeah, is how I took their departure. So he can't go to his family. Though his wife was kind of looking around with the, I know you're watching us from somewhere. Mm-hmm. She made a miraculous recovery from having gotten shot. She too. did. So, yeah. it goes around sometimes, you know. Yeah. Bullet wound to the chest and eh, you're up the next day. Yeah. I I enjoyed the show a lot. There's a part of me that wants to marathon it like you did. Because mm-hmm. I think watching it one week at a time, it, it's harder. It's a different experience when you marathon something versus watch it as it comes out. Yeah. When it comes out and you've got a, a week between episodes and the hiatus here and there for the, the holidays or summer or whatever. It gives you more time to either think about it or forget or gloss over stuff. It, whereas if when you marathon it through in rapid succession, mm-hmm. certain things are going to jump out at you. Certain things are not going to work as well mm-hmm. because you get a little jarring bumps between. It's like, didn't I just see this? You know, uh, mm-hmm. neither is better or worse. You just see different things. I will jokingly admit I enjoyed the part down here in Texas. I enjoyed how that legend had sort of left somebody as his go-to contact guy when he comes back. You were supposed to tell know all these things. I'm disappointed you can't tell me what I need to know. Well, I liked taking the public bus. I mean, there were just multiple aspects of the coming down to Texas that I thought really played well. Yeah. Well, and there's a certain, you know, he's off-duty. He's used uh, the, the tech girl to get the legend, get the arrangements, set all that up. And he got in trouble with the cops and had to call basically, you know, here's my, my my code word or whatever. You know, I'm legit, you know, come bail me out. And that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and the guy that he had basically taken hostage and was dragging all around, you know, there for most of the episode, he's saying, yeah, I'm not going to help you. Yeah, I'm not going to help you. And there at the end, he's going, you know, I just realized they might try and kill me as well as you. Yep, I'm on your side now. Mm-hmm. And the very end of that episode just crushed my heart because, you know, he was, what, 18 inches away. It just, Martin was so close when he saw that reflection off on the hillside and the the glinting and just 18 inches from. He has saved this guy from a bit of an onslaught and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. They think they're getting into protective custody. He sees the glint of the, the scope on a rifle across the way. As he's realizing what it is and is starting to leap to the guy's defense, the guy's taken out. There goes his only lead of what's going on. And there's a certain amount of, that's got to happen in a a, a TV show. There's a certain amount of, you see it coming, a certain amount of, why the hell was he out in the open? I mean, that was my first thought when he is out there wide open to the countryside with no one, you know. But there's also a, your heart just breaks for Martin after the day he's had. Well, and he's gone through again a rough patch of discovering the guy he thought was his friend for the last most of the decade turns out to have been playing him the entire time. His wife really 
kind of has also been playing him the entire time. You know, he can't trust a lot of people. Yeah. His 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 circle really kind of shrinks down, and he can't cut loose some of these other people. I'm still working on how old his son is. Yeah, it's a question of... It... Either his son is nine, his son is adopted, or his son isn't his son. Yeah. Those are my options. And that just rubbed me the wrong way because I wanted his son to be his son in terms I'm of his son's I'm thinking it is his son. I think that's how his wife, the, the handler, sealed the deal, if you will. Your home... Nine months later, we yeah. have Junior, you know, or whatever. In which case, the kid should be eight and a half, but he looks more like 12. Fair point. I, I agree with that. I just... I know. I agree with you. It seemed, I want the kid to be his kid. Yeah. Just saying. So, going back to your point to me over dinner of I can pick apart anything if I try. Mm -hmm. um, but I... And part of it, I think, is I really got suckered into the book. And I think I wanted the TV show to capture what I found in the book, and I'm not sure it did. And that's part of why I made you read those first eight pages, mm -hmm. is, and they tried at the very end of the 10 episodes. If you are listening to this and you've not watched all 10 episodes, please hit pause and go marathon. No, okay. Um, at the very end, you know, they show the raining fire incident, and they have Martin kind of playing through the possibilities. Who was he? What was he doing? Because he just can't remember. Yeah. And the book starts out with this short, it already happened, you know it's in the past scene. And there are so many characters and they don't tell you which one he is. Well, and that was one of kind of the problems I had with the eight pages of the book that I did read there. The characters, for the most part, aren't named. Mm -hmm. They're not memorably described individually and it's all down purpose i'm sure oh i'm certain yeah, yeah. it is he's he's painting the picture but leaving some vagueness there um that i was having just a hard time kind of in my mind keeping track of how many people were at this scene mm -hmm. where this guy basically gets uh, uh there's an entire paving crew uh where a road in russia in the middle of nowhere seemingly is being repaved near a tiny little village well it's being built for the first time yes it was the That's first right. paved road into this it was going to connect this village to russia if you will yeah, and this guy gets now. brought out they've dug a ditch they throw him in the ditch they pave over the ditch yeah uh two paratroopers yeah. bring him out he's basically brought up on a river on a raft brought up with a note attached to his backside he's wearing nothing uh there's a very nice car with a driver and two people in it. The oligarch and... Uh, His sister. Pretty the, sure it's the oligarch's sister. Okay. And there is a younger man who is the oligarch's nephew. I have read the book. I have read eight pages of yes. it. And again, I was having a hard time keeping yeah. track of it. I don't think I caught the nephew. I know that from later in the book. Well, it's the kind of thing. I can see how that became the raining fire incident with you know they basically in the book in the show they uh rob the government of billions of, of dollars that were put into the out there for for you know uh, local economy you know buying selling you know whatever to, to fund that part of the war these mercenaries just said yeah we're gonna take it and they wound up killing a couple of, of military people that they stole it from or whatever so i i see 
how they redid it into that, mm-hmm. but it takes on a very different tone in so much as he Martin Odom winds up being kind of the guy in the ditch because one of the first things kind of bounces him into a a uh, 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 trying to think what that would be you know but the, you know one of the ditches on the side of the camp or whatever mm-hmm. so he's protected from the rest of the barrage you know which in the case of the book is he the guy who was paved over you know and it's Whenever you adapt something, again, what's the core of the property? What is not? What can you change? What should you change? The fact they did this with the author's input, mm-hmm. not to say necessarily his consent, but at least his acknowledgement. Well, in, in the book, in those eight pages, one of the people on the paving crew is up on one of the pieces of equipment, and he has like a thermos, I believe, with which he can take yes. photos. So there are lots of people who could be Martin Odom in Legend. Mm -hmm. He could be the guy getting paved over who's been betrayed, been caught, been whatever. One of the two paratroopers. He could be the guy with the the thermos taking the pictures. He could be on the work crew. He could be the guy who I later find out is the oligarch's nephew, but he could be the guy outside the car Mm -hmm. who's following the oligarch's orders to pave him over, who's basically at that point, He's giving the orders, but he's also powerless to defy the oligarch. He's the middleman. Yeah. You know, and the book leaves you wondering the entire time, who in that scene was Martin? Mm-hmm. You're pretty sure he was someone in that scene, otherwise it wouldn't be in the book. Whereas in the TV show, it was pretty clear he was one of the guys involved in the robbery. It's just, was he the lead or not? Mm-hmm. Seemed to be the only question. Yeah. And was he... A willing participant? Was he an undercover agent? You know, what, yeah. was, what was the context of his per, uh, participation? Did he cross a moral line? Did he stand up for his morals? Yeah. What happened? You know, and you know, there were several points in the book where you meet people who had, in some way, something to do with that scene Mm -hmm. and you start not exactly ruling people out but reaching an understanding well and again that's mirrored in the tv show when we start meeting some of the other guys who knew him from you know that time but none of them gave me an understanding well it's interesting because at first i had gotten the impression that they were part of some government program there that was brainwashing the people and turning them into undercover agents but that clearly wasn't the case. All I got was they were being brainwashed over there. Well, really, in his case, it's they stole stuff. He got knocked out and had amnesia from a bomb blast. Yeah. You know, there was nothing kind of conspiratorial about some of that other than he was a loose end. People were looking for to, to, to kill off. Yeah. So presumably the other guys were there at the time. It's It, it came down to, again, for me, I wasn't really caring that much about that part of the story you know i i didn't need a big bad or a backstory or you know that kind of a thing because not only did you have what is martin's past who is he really there's the who's covering stuff up now who's the big threat now you know who's who's the power player yeah i liked the legend of the episode better yeah and i didn't want a different legend every episode i liked when he stayed in legend for multiple episodes I liked when people felt betrayed by his having been in Legend. 
to a certain degree, it's almost a modern day uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. How can you go in, sting the guy, and get out with him being none the wiser? Well, and uh, Tina Majorino, Maggie, I loved when she was in the control room listening to him when he was in Legend and commenting to other people on the things he was saying. Mm-hmm. You know, is that based on his real life, this, that, and the other? I thought she really had some good lines there. Well, she had some good lines. She was on the ball with what she had to be tracking, what information she had to be pulling up. Oh, he's giving me this guy's name. Oh, he's a colonel. Let me dig that up. Let mm-hmm. me cross-reference. Mm-hmm. She seemed incredibly competent and good at her job, mm-hmm. yet also new enough and green enough to to be a, an entry point into the team. Yeah. And really, I think that was one of the purposes of the character. Yes. Is we're coming new into the team. She's new into the team. Okay. You know, we can get up to speed as she's getting up to speed. As they have to explain it to her, we get to listen. Yeah. And it was some fun stuff. When she was digging into Martin's past and realizing this is more or less what she would have put together as a legend for him. Mm-hmm. There are gaps where she would have had gaps. There are not where there wouldn't, you know? Yeah. It's about what she would have expected. Hmm, that's odd. Yeah. You know, and, and the way all that plays out, and again, who trusts who is a big part of the show. Yeah. Well, and uh, Steve Harris, the boss, rubbed me the wrong way early on, but by the end, I liked him. Well, he was trying to make sure Martin didn't discover he wasn't Martin early on, for Martin's own good. And that was the part that wasn't clear. And yes. Rightfully so, I guess, is the expression I want to use. But when it came out that he'd been protecting Martin, you know, that, that he had always been on Martin's side. Yeah. Despite the lack of thanks that that sometimes got him. Yeah. 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 It... It's an interesting show. It's got a lot of things that make it really worth watching. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I think it falls victim to modern TV where they feel the need to have not just what they're doing in the episode, but a a bigger picture. Yeah. These days, so many shows want to have a conspiracy theory, a big bad of the season, a... Or a major arc for each character to go through over the course of the season. Yeah. And I'm a little tired of it. You know, this could have been... Two and three episode groupings, if you will, by legend. And I, like you, I from what you're saying, I would have been thrilled. And that might not have been a bad choice because if they had done that, they could have taken some of these and released them as two-hour TV movie type things. I would have loved it, quite frankly. They yeah. could have done that as, you know, reruns on weekends and stuff. And, oh, that would be great summer blocks or winter blocks. I'd love well, it. Imagine if, if a show were to do that based on an undercover unit. Mm. They've got four or five undercover people, each having a little support team. They kind of round robin. Sometimes somebody's support team's got to fill in for somebody else. Somebody's out sick, whatever. But you go through, here's, say, two episodes on this guy and this undercover thing. Next week, it's somebody over here. Next week, it's a different guy with his support team. You get enough crossover one time. It's like the two got to go in together. They can't get along, but, oh, they've got to do the deal. Another time, it's two, but they get along great. But their support teams can't stand each other. Yeah. Something to where you've got a a bigger group, but it's almost a a round-robin ensemble cast. Yeah. Something where you can get some strong actors. You can't get them all season. But if you only need a a given undercover agent for four out of 20 episodes or something. Yeah. You know, you you can juggle the stuff that way. And it gives you the ability to 
to really do something different than a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Kind of keep things fresh and, gee, I can't use this guy because he's already met these people. Oh, I've got to use this, but this team knows this situation better. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you could do there. Well, and one of the things I did like in Legends, but I, you know, there's always my joke of I feel like they left a scene or two on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. or they could have used a scene or two more with the uh, FBI agent who had been investigating Martin mm-hmm. up at the beginning. By the end, Martin trusted him with his family and said, you know, they need to be taken to a safe place. And Tony, I believe, was the FBI agent's name. He, he looks at him and says, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of it. I'll have someone take them. And he's like, no, I would like someone I trust to take them. Will you do it? Yeah. And it came across as a, I trust you because you thought I might have been guilty of that murder and you kept investigating me. Yeah. You went for the truth, not the convenient aspect. You didn't stop when you were told to. You kept digging. Yeah. And there's an aspect of, of that character that's a lot of fun. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of the, your your moral code is in line with mine, and I respect you and I trust you for that. So Whether you agree with him or not, you know that even if you don't, he's operating for the right reasons. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because with um, Tina's character, she, again, brought in new to the team. But it's quickly like the team member because you've got yes. the boss, the handler, and she's running everything in the control room. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that's, I mean, she's got a few other people in there, but they're just, you know, sitting at desks, I think. Mm-hmm. She's doing all the work. Uh, great role for her. Mm-hmm. Interesting to see kind of how her character quickly gets up to speed and is, is relied on so heavily. And I'll be curious where her character is in a second season in terms of what they have her doing. Yeah. Because um, it was kind of the least clear how much trouble she was in. She seems low enough that I would expect her to still beat the FBI, but they could go in any of a couple of directions next season. Yeah. And it was kind of what frustrated me a little with where the thing ended off is it's like, you know, they could stop here. They could go in eight different directions. Mm-hmm. I I don't like shows that end with everybody in jeopardy. It's like, ooh, contract mm. renewal or everything's fine we got to wait for things to blow up next season. But something to where there's a sense of, have they gotten where they were going for this season? Do they know yet where they're going for next season? Is there a plan here or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, to me, felt like every door was left open. Martin was walking away with the, I've still got to figure this out. There were things unresolved that he needed to resolve. Mm-hmm. So there's a... a a clear, I think, motivation for the characters. Yeah. But no clear action plan. But it also felt like he left uh, his big boss, Steve Harris, in the FBI, which for Martin is good because his family is in FBI protection. Yeah. Uh, Allie Larder's character had just testified mm-hmm. and deep cover operations had been shut down, but I don't recall her being suspended. So she's not out of a job or in jeopardy, but... But what's she going to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. She could kind of go either way. I got the sense the writers knew where they were going, but Mm -hmm. didn't want to tell us. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of get that. It was kind of annoying, though. Yeah. So I I think it's a show worth watching. It's got some great stuff, some great acting. I think, again, really good show, but could have been... I think a lot better if they'd chosen to go a lot simpler. In other words, get rid of some of the big bad, some of the backstory, and just go for a more 
straightforward approach. Well, and maybe if we're lucky, they'll wrap up the what's going on, you know, have him find out his backstory in a short arc. At this point, I think shifting from what they're doing to what I think they, what I would like them to be doing would be a mistake. They've set a trajectory, they've set expectations, mm. and people would always be wondering, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? If they get rid of that big picture, it's like, well, I've been expecting you had it the whole time. Now where to go? Well, but I'm just saying they could resolve it. Drop the other shoe, in other words. Well, no, they could finish the the overall plot, but I think people would then be waiting for, okay, when's the next big picture part start? That's the other shoe dropping in my my mind. You know, it comes down to that's baked into the DNA of the show. Mm. To remove it would make it feel like it's missing something even though i think maybe it should have been missing that from the get-go but it, that that's not the show they're doing yeah you know and i i respect that yeah yeah well it's an entertaining show mm-hmm. i definitely recommend watching sean bean slip in and out of these legends it's phenomenal um, strong supporting cast too definitely definitely everyone that's supporting cast is just nailing their parts it's remarkable and I highly recommend the book because I came out of the book uh, terrified. Somebody thinks that's the world I live in and grateful it's not reality. Um, I'm just grateful I don't live in this author's reality. Uh, but from that sense, that's why it's a great book. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are some books where you read and you go, oh, I'd just love to live in that fairy tale world. Some you want a vacation and some you want to live in, some you want to stay the hell away from. Yeah. This one, don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was one where I put it down and for about 20 minutes, I just wanted to stop and think and go, holy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a book that leaves you thinking or a show that leaves you thinking is always a good sign. Yeah. You know, and this was one where... There were a lot of points that felt, I don't want to say random, but they felt a little disjointed and they felt like just pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that was, is this really going to connect in? And they did. Mm -hmm. And that was why I respected it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely suggest it. Well, and I think that's part of it with the TV show is it's only 10 episodes in. They need more time to get more of it pulled together and such. To, to really, I think, get to perhaps where the novel got. It may be that at the end of a second season, oh, enough of the big pictures really all gelled together. I see where they're going, and I can see how they can keep going at this. That I think be. we're at one of the major first turns of the plot for the big picture, and mm-hmm. we need to see how it progresses from there. Yeah, kind of in every season they give us a huge corner of the puzzle or something. Well, it's kind of a three-act structure, and we've gotten the first act of the, the big mm-hmm. picture. Too soon to judge, potentially, yeah. that, but it's yeah. full season, so I'm willing to judge. Yeah. But definitely worth checking out. Um, TNT is doing some, some great original programming. They are. This is a case where they found a book they liked. They, they had an idea of where to go with it. They got the author on board. Mm-hmm. They got an excellent cast. Um, they're doing a good job. Again, what I would have done would have been different, but that's just me. Other people are going to feel differently. I, I definitely am, am glad I watched it, and, and I do recommend people check it out. Yeah, I would recommend it. I Personally, I think I would suggest marathoning it, just because I think it's one where it kind of, getting to see the legends back to back, I think again, would be fascinating. Marathoning it is something where you see certain things you wouldn't otherwise 
being able to compare the legends, keep track of all the stuff, mm-hmm. see it all play out. It's easier to do in that mode. It's 10 episodes. It's it's easy to marathon in the course of a weekend if you want to, even a single day if you've got all day to devote to it. Yeah. I mean, when I read the book, I went through it in an entire weekend just because I was so fascinated by this character moving between these legends and the way that, especially those conference room scenes where they came together. So yeah, those I, are some good stuff. Yeah. Is it out on DVD yet? Or on Blu-ray, whichever. I don't think so. Okay, because it it's 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 new, so it, they may wait and yeah a little bit. But that's the kind of thing. If you've got it either on Netflix, DVR, or on yeah. demand, whatever, pick a Saturday, get to your TV at, at noon, have have a meal sitting there, you know, eat as you watch the first episode. Ah, there, I think it's safe to eat during the most of these episodes. There are one or two, maybe not. Um, have some snacks, have some soda, whatever. It's 10 episodes, subtract out the commercials, eight hours, nine hours later, you're done. It's one that might be fun to watch with some friends and yeah. get a little speculation going. Yeah, who's doing what? Who side are you on? What do you think is going to be the next twist? Yeah. It's something as a viewing party you could easily do in an afternoon slash evening. Yeah. And it's fun to do that. I do that periodically. Yeah. Um, and again, this is one of the shows that it's like, okay, I've got them. Let's marathon through. And I did it in a few sittings. Yeah. So, so anyways, I recommended it to John and now I recommend it to anyone else. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think we're good. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.